Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, I'm Luke O'Neill and welcome to my weekly Show Me The Science podcast. Now, a really good one. They're all good, of course, we always say that. But this is a special one, I think. Now, every year the Royal Society, which is a very eminent uh, society of scientists, gives out a prize for the best science book of the year. And the prize is all about, you know, public engagement and really well-written books and topics that will get the public going. And they're not books for scientists. And I chaired the judging panel uh, this year, which was a really interesting thing. We had loads of science books and then there was a panel and we evaluated them and finally the winner roll of drums uh, was a book called Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake and it was e- it was a great winner actually now, the, the, the six that were shortlisted were all great but this one really stood out for us because it was so well written and this book is just about fungi and I want to talk about a breakthrough in fungi that happened because that brings us right up to date and the whole world of fungi is an absolute fascination I mean who would have thought you get a whole book out of writing about mushrooms say because uh, mushrooms are fungi of course and yet Merlin manages to capture the whole world of fungi in great detail in a really really compelling way. Now, as scientists, we might start with our usual definition of what these things are. Fungi are in a kingdom all of their own. So they're very interesting as a life form on Earth. There are four other kingdoms, plants, animals, protozoa, and a kingdom called Chromista. Now, I bet you never heard of that fourth one, because I kind of had heard of it, didn't know much about it. But fungi are the fifth kingdom of life. Now, what that means is all five of these are very, very distinct. They branched off early, Uh, when life was evolving on Earth and they've got really specific traits that make them very, very separate and fungi, as a result of their particular characteristics, are put into the whole kingdom of their own. Now, Chromista, very briefly, because I guess people wouldn't have heard of that. You've heard of plants and animals, obviously, and you've probably heard of protozoa as well. But Chromista are a separate kingdom too. And I guess what's in the Chromista kingdom, uh, potato blight, the thing that caused the famine is in that particular kingdom. Uh, so are parasites like the ones that cause malaria. So they're a strange kind of subfamily chromista. They have these things called plastids. Is one of the defining features for those who are really uh, interested in the specifics of this. So chromista are something you might not have heard of. Of course, we're in the animal kingdom, aren't we? Then there's the plant kingdom as well. But fungi are a separate kingdom altogether and they would have branched out a bit earlier I guess or at least they branched off very early in the tree of life now what are fungi well you you know them very well mushrooms are fungi yeasts moulds of various kinds all of these things are in the fungi kingdom and of course they're very interesting for all kinds of reasons they're defined by the fact they can't photosynthesize so they aren't like plants and they can't absorb sunlight and then, you know, generate ATP and energetics from sunlight isn't part of their world at all. Uh, but they're also defined, they're huge decomposers. They're very good at recycling. If In a way, they are the world's recycling life form in so many ways. And they can be very useful in all kinds of uh, aspects to do with recycling. But they, they can decompose things. They've got very interesting biochemistry. Now, of course, I'm a, a biochemist by training. They can release all these enzymes to digest different things. And they're interesting from that point of view as well. So that's how, that's how we define them. They can't photosynthesize and they're huge decomposers. And of course yeast is a good example of a fungus. Now remember without yeast there'll be no civilization. Now there's a, there's a proud thing to say. Why do I say that? Well obviously early humans realised that yeast could be very useful to us. You can make bread from yeast for example but you can also make alcohol 
because yeast generate this byproduct in their metabolism that is ethanol. And then humans obviously began to drink ethanol in various ways. And the reason why we say that there be no civilization is uh, it is the ultimate social lubricant, isn't it? And imagine a world without alcohol. It could well have not advanced very far. It's one idea. It could be controversial, but there you have it. But alcohol is an important part of us as a species in many ways. And it's made by yeast. So therefore, yeast are a huge fascination from that point of view. And then, of course, there's mushrooms as well. Uh, and of course, we would have discussed in a previous podcast, psilocybin. And again, actually, Merlin's book. Now, Merlin Sheldrake is a great name, isn't it? But the fact is that there are mushrooms that have these psychedelic things. Psilocybin is one. And we did do them before. But but they're interesting. And I asked Merlin a bit about it, actually. It is in his book. Um, it looks like the reason why mushrooms make psilocybin is to change the behaviour of insects. So insects will have a kind of a trip, you might say, and then carry the spores and allow the mushroom to spread. So the psilocybin can get into the insect's brain and then get the insect to hallucinate, whatever hallucinating insect is. But equally, we have a similar uh, pathway in our brains. So when we take psilocybin, it's actually a thing called the 5-HT uh, receptor is the thing that gets hit by this. Uh, and, and that gets modified as well by psilocybin in our brains as well. And we have a kind of a, a, a similar reaction to insects. So in other words, it, that, the response to us piggybacks on an effect in insects. And that's that's a very interesting aspect of mushroom biology. And uh, and again, in, in Merlin's book, he goes into that in great detail. Uh, but the thing about this, the, the latest stuff that's really interesting, and in fact, it really is about um, what Merlin's own expertise is, is the thing called the Wood Wide Web. Now, there's a great phrase to get your imagination. It turns out there's a massive underground web and network of fungi in forests. So if you dig down into the soil, you will find these fungal networks and they spread all over the forest. They're called mycorrhizal networks is the kind of uh, scientific name for them, but the wood wide web is a good way to think of it because it turns out all the trees are connected through this wood wide web, and 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 this area has become really really important. Even after Merlin wrote his book and the stuff I came across last week, I wouldn't have read. There's an example of how scientists work like me. To be honest, I would have read Merlin's book uh, maybe three or four months ago, and then I'm and then for some reason I'm flicking through a science journal or whatever it might be, and I come across something about fungi, and I read it because I'd read Merlin's book. So it just shows you how we can. Uh, extend our knowledge by reading these things and even though it isn't my specific area I am a scientist and I'm interested and what's in this recent article is there's a massive campaign underway to study this mycorrhizal network to study the wood wide web and there's all kinds of reasons why this is really really important and they've just raised a huge amount of funding uh, to invest in this Uh, 3.5 million dollars is the first amount and there is a special society called the Society for the Protection of Underground Networks, or SPUN. There's a good name uh, for a network, isn't it? See, scientists can be clever how they name things. So SPUN is examining these massive uh, mycorrhizal networks and forests and studying them. And, and, and it turns out they're extremely important, and they're important for all kinds of reasons. Now, I bet you never knew when you walk through a forest, one tree can talk to another. Now, what I mean by talk is it can send chemicals into the soil that get taken up by this network and transported to the other tree. So, for example, nutrients can be transported. Things like phosphorus can be transported from one tree to another. Uh, Carbon can be transported. Now, of course, a tree uh, through sunlight 
and so on will photosynthesize and make things. Uh, CO2 is a byproduct, and sometimes one tree in the forest can't uh, is is carbon deficient, and it absorbs carbon through this mycorrhizal network, and therefore keeps its carbon stores up. So, for example, if a tree in a dark part of the forest can't really photosynthesize and make carbohydrates, because part of photosynthesis is to make these carbon-based molecules in the plant, another tree nearby will release some into the soil, and it travels through the network into its neighbouring tree or a tree far away, and that was shown through this network. And, And this discovery was incredible in many ways, that trees are able to communicate through this very, very complicated network. And it turns out then that this network is a huge store of carbon. And of course, we're very interested in getting ways to make sure that we get the carbon levels down. And maybe this network, if we grow it and develop it and nurture it, could be a huge sink for carbon and therefore carbon emissions and so on. And we can decrease the greenhouse effects from carbon in the atmosphere. And that's another reason for studying this network. And SPUN is very much part of studying the carbon uh, sequestration, we call this, by the way, in this fungal network. And the trust was from a special uh, trust, uh, Environmental Trust Fund, uh, the Jeremy and Hanukkah Grantham Environmental Trust and they need to be thanked for investing in this and of course they're trying to raise money from all kinds of sources to study this very, very important network. Now one other example which is in my own area of this network being used by say trees or plants is defence now, there's a great line here, and, and David Attenborough, uh, uh, the great hero of us all, of course, he said he was fascinated by the living world because he was fascinated by how every living organism has to solve two problems, is how he puts it. One is to reproduce, and there's all kinds of ways that happens, and you know, all kinds of mating and all kinds of things that we're always fascinated by, aren't we? Uh, that's one thing organisms have to do. And the second is nutrition, and that means like feeding and so on and getting nutrients. The third is defending yourself. And I'm going to add that now. This is my idea. Uh, that David got it slightly wrong, not that I'd criticise him. But there's a third thing every organism needs to do, and that's defend itself. And we know that, don't we? In spades from this time of COVID, you've got to fight viruses and bacteria and survive and all those kinds of things. Well, guess what? A damaged or infected plant, they think, can release chemicals through the network, travels through the wood wide web to a neighbouring tree to alert it, to say, oh, there's trouble over here, get ready. So let's say, for example, uh, one tree gets infected. It'll send a signal to adjacent trees, and those trees now begin to make defense molecules to defend them, just themselves, just in case that infectious agent jumps from one tree into another. It's amazing. So the whole forest then can be protected uh, by this um, by this approach. Isn't that incredible? Now, now this is a bit of a work in progress. They're still trying to find. Um, what these defence chemicals are. Plants, by the way, make all kinds of things to defend themselves. Uh, Famously, a chemical called salicylic acid is made, and that can have uh, defensive properties against infection. And then they're trying to identify, I suppose, what these chemicals are that travel from one tree to another through this network of of, uh, fungi under the ground. And again, Spawn is examining for this as well. Now, the other thing I like is the the evidence for this, because it was quite quite controversial that trees would communicate, or plants would communicate in this way from one tree to another. Uh, like, for example, how do you know it's actually travelling through this fungal network? Well, they used special chemicals that were labelled with C13. So carbon-13 is an isotope of carbon. You can track it. And they could show if you inject C13 into one tree, 
or plant, it'll travel through the wood wide web, through the fungal network under the ground and then begin appearing in the next tree and then they could cut the network, very importantly, again really uh, good science here to prove this. So you can cut through that network and now the carbon doesn't get transported from one plant to another and that was the really compelling evidence that they had, that part of the evidence anyway, that this fungal network was, uh, was evidence and that's a really good example I suppose of science in action. And then apart from the defence thing, I want to touch on one more thing as well that uh, how important this network is and this is a fascination too because they, they studied this in say let's say in Australia where there's been a bushfire or let's say an environment where there has been some kind of stressor it doesn't have to be fire but whatever it might be it turns out the fungal network helps the seedlings to grow so there'll be a part of that say forest or region that didn't get burnt and there's trees there or plants there, whatever it is, they will release things into the network. That network now is spread into the area where the damage has been done and those chemicals being transported through the network, and now some of this is a little bit theoretical, but there is some evidence, will allow seeds to start growing again. Now, to me, that's a beautiful example, isn't it, of how plants help each other, I suppose, in these communities. In other words, one part of the forest is damaged and the part that isn't damaged lends a helping hand to their fellow plants. So not, not, not unlike humans, how we hopefully help each other. If one group of humans is in trouble, another group will hopefully help them. This is exactly what plants seem to do. And you can see how this would have evolved because it makes sense for the whole forest to survive and the species to continue and so on, you know. And so this, this network of fungi is very much part of this. And this collaboration then between plants in an environment is through this fungal network. Now, all of this tells us, and you've probably gathered it already from me, I'm now going to change my entire research program into fungi. No, I'm not. But I'd be tempted to because it's really got my imagination reading um, Merlin's book and this recent stuff. I might work on the immune system in plants. You never know through this fungal network. That's the great thing about being a scientist. You're free to pursue your ideas. Uh, One reason I became a scientist and an academic in particular was freedom. So I'm free to work on whatever I want any old time. Uh, And wouldn't it be fascinating? It's really interesting to study what these defence chemicals are and so on. And remember, it's all about fungi in the soil. And what it means is we would be nothing without these fungi. That, that we need them in so many ways, not just to have a pint on a Friday night from the alcohol being made by the yeast or a sandwich from your bread uh, or indeed the odd mushroom now and again with your breakfast or for other reasons. Um, we need them to sustain life on earth and all these complex communities of plants, they're all talking to each other. This fungal network is a very important part of that, you know, to keep everything going, I suppose is the way to think of it. It's almost like co-evolution. So the plant kingdom and the fungal kingdom working together. And by the way, the animals are in there and the protozoa and everything very this is the whole area of, of ecology in many ways so it's a really really interesting topic and remember i hope i've now engaged you with this topic as well and the one last thing i'm going to tell you that will blow your minds as well there'll be no life on uh, land without fungi so you wouldn't even be here listening to me and i wouldn't be talking to you either if it wasn't for fungi the reason for this is plants colonize the land with the help of fungi and it probably was along these lines you know so very early on there was a collaboration between plants and fungi to allow the land to be colonised and you see there'd be no plants on land and then obviously animals couldn't have got on land either without those plants. So remember, respect the fungi 
they're very very important and let's keep researching them and there'll be all kinds of benefits the, the, the immediate one being carbon capture we can see but also the sheer beauty of it uh, they're beautiful things and they're a very important part of life on earth so there you have it the science of fungi thanks very much for listening now my podcast show me the science is available every thursday for download it is a news talk production and thanks very much for listening